Welcome to our second episode of the Financial Intuition Podcast, where you can find your inner financial intuition one money topic at a time. The goal of the podcast is to educate, inform, and engage our audience with tools and resources created to help them make more informed financial decisions. These tools and resources can be found on our website at consumerfinance.gov. You can also click the link in the show notes for more information. This is the second episode of a three-episode money management series, which focuses on financing your future and how to pay for higher education, managing money as a young adult, and understanding and protecting your credit. Before we get started, I'll read our standard Consumer Financial Protection Bureau disclaimer. This podcast is being produced by the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. It is intended to generate discussion about managing money as a young adult. The questions asked and topics discussed were developed in coordination with the presenters and may not reflect the Bureau's policy on any particular matter. Any opinions or views stated by the presenter are the presenter's own and may not represent the Bureau's views. Nothing said in this podcast by a Bureau representative constitutes legal interpretation, guidance, or advice from the Bureau. Hello, everyone. I'm Brian Stone, a policy analyst in the section for students and young consumers. Our section creates tools and resources for those working to help students, young adults, and their families manage money, build credit, save or pay for college, and repay student debt. Today we have with us Ryan Law. Ryan teaches in the Personal Financial Planning Program at Utah Valley University. He is also the director of the Utah Valley University Money Management Resource Center, where volunteer peer financial coaches educate students, faculty, and staff through one-on-one -on -one counseling sessions and presentations on campus. Originally from Salt Lake City, Utah, Ryan received his undergraduate degree from Utah State University in Family and Consumer Sciences with an emphasis in family finance. He received his master's degree in personal financial planning from Texas Tech University. Ryan is an accredited financial counselor, AFC, and a certified financial planner, CFP. Ryan and his wife, Tracy, have five children and live in Spanish Fork, Utah. We're excited to gain insight from Ryan on managing money as a young adult. So without further ado, let's jump right in. Welcome, Ryan. Thanks, Brian. It's great to be here. Yep, glad to have you. Uh, I guess to get started, can you tell our audience a little bit about you and your work? Sure, I'd be happy to. So as you mentioned, I teach in the Personal Financial Planning Program at Utah Valley University, where I also manage our Money Management Resource Center. I oversee the students who do the financial counseling in that center. So I have a unique view into the the world of finances for young adults. We see hundreds of students every year who come in for help with their budgets or other financial issues. And we, we do a lot of research and, and insights into what it is that young people are struggling with financially. Great, great. So it seems like you have a, a depth of experience in understanding the issues uh, that young people face when it comes to money. So what's one area of personal finance you see young adults struggle with? You know, there's there's actually three main topics that students come in to see us about, and those would be budgeting, credit and debt management, and student loans. I would say that I, I, I'd struggle to narrow that down to just one because it seems to be that those three areas are pretty evenly split. So again, budgeting, credit and debt management, and student loans seem to be some of the biggest areas of struggle that I see students dealing with. Okay, and what do you think sort of leads and contributes to those struggles? You know, I think in a lot of those areas, it seems like they're really complex and that they're really difficult to figure out how do you set up and stick to a budget? How do you make a plan to pay off this massive amount of student loan debt or credit card debt 
or purchase a vehicle for the first time or purchase a home. So I think in a lot of cases, there, there's misconceptions about the complexity of these issues. And I'm not saying that they're, they're simple things that people should just be able to deal with without any further research or help. Uh, but in a lot of cases, I think they're just scared of knowing that the balances, for example, in their student loans or trying to just figure out that first time, what does this big stack of papers mean when I'm trying to purchase a home for the first time? Or how do I even, going to the most basic thing, budgeting, how do I even begin to determine how much money should go to all these different categories? So I think it's just the complexity. And if we can help simplify some of those things, I think it will help some of these young adults to move forward in, in managing their money better. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And I know um, I would say when I first started budgeting and trying to understand the concept, it just seemed like you said there were so many different factors, um, a lot of different expenses sort of going into a budget, and then just trying to, you know, actually match my budget with my pay schedule. That was like one big thing that I was doing incorrectly. And so um, I know a monthly budget is great. And I was like creating these wonderful monthly budgets, but I was getting paid bi-weekly. And so exactly. I to, yeah, it's like it adds an extra layer of complexity because now I'm getting paid bi-weekly and I have to sort of figure out like how to allocate my money when a bi-weekly budget probably would have been a lot better. It took me some time to learn and I'm glad I did, but I know, sure. um, yeah, that's one of those things that sort of comes up. So yeah, that's great. Um, so what, what do you think some things, uh, what are some steps that young people can actually take to sort of um, get a grasp on some of these things, like you said, budgeting, credit, and understanding how to manage your debt? Sure. So there, there's no easy fix, I would say, in any of these areas. I mean, they, they can be simplified, but in a lot of cases, I think it's setting some simple financial goals. So it might be paying off that credit card, or it might be saving up money for that down payment on a first home. But I think in a lot of cases, it's just taking action of some kind. So you mentioned, Brian, that you budgeted on a monthly basis when you got started, and maybe that wasn't the best approach because you were paid biweekly, but at least you, you did something. You took a step, even if it wasn't all the way correct, you, you did something that helped you learn how to start managing your money, and then you fixed it as you moved forward, and there's nothing wrong with that. In a lot of cases, I think we just need to take that first step. We need to try something. We need to work towards understanding our money a little bit better and, and managing a, a little bit better. And, and, and I think down the road, uh, we can fix problems that come up. So again, setting goals, taking some sort of action. There's lots of great research out there. Consumer Financial Protection Bureau has a lot of good information. There's other organizations and books that you can go to, turn to for some good financial advice. But I think just taking that first step in these areas will help you. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And as you said, the first step could just be sort of uh, seeking more information. So like Googling, um, you know, personal finance, go, of course, uh, visiting our website. We have a lot of great uh, tools and resources that are geared towards helping individuals better understand their money and understand pretty much any area as it relates to personal finance. Um, there are also a lot of great videos out there. So yeah, just taking that step to become more informed and um, a more informed consumer so you can make better decisions. So, Absolutely. I agree. I agree. Um, and so as far as like budgeting apps, we've talked about budgeting, very important. Um, I think it's like sort of the foundation of a personal uh, finance plan. What budgeting apps and tools are out there and you, have you seen any work particularly good for young adults? Yeah, you're right that there there are a lot of different tools out there and a, and a lot of information about budgeting and, and some of the things that that I look for when I'm looking for tools to help with budgeting is, first of all, simplicity. It's got to be something that people can utilize easily, they can access easily. 
So, and it's, it's gotta be something that works well for you. So for example, if, if you are really good with handling cash and, and making sure that you're not overspending in various categories, then it might make sense for you to use the old fashioned envelope method where you pull money out of the bank, you put it in an envelope, one's labeled entertainment, one is labeled shopping or groceries, one is labeled utilities, whatever the case is, you pull money out and you, you utilize those envelopes for that. That's the most basic, simple way that you can do a budget. But what I'm finding, most people like to use a, a tool of some kind. So there's a lot of great apps out there that will help you to manage your money on your desktop, on your phone, on your tablet. Something, whether it's uh, starting that first budget out, like on paper or using an app or an Excel spreadsheet, but just mm -hmm. using something. <laughs> so, exactly. Which, yep. which makes a lot of sense. So, um, well, along those lines, you know, uh, we hear from a lot of our young people um, that they may not have a bank account, not fully understand which bank accounts they should have. So in your opinion, are there, um, what do you see as far as like banking for young people and how would you encourage them or what type of accounts would you encourage them to, to have to start off with? Sure, I think that the, the most basic one would be a savings in a checking account. Go to your local credit union or bank and, and get set up with at least a checking account and a savings account. Most employers will direct deposit your check right into your account. So by setting up just those two simple accounts, you're taking, again, those, those first actions that I mentioned earlier, you're taking a step by setting up something. It may not be the perfect account. It may not earn a lot of interest right now. That's not the point of these accounts. It's, it's so that your money's going into one central location and then you can automate some things by having some of the money sent to savings. So just getting, again, basic checking, basic savings account set up, I think is a good start for most people. So you mentioned automation. So how can automation help with uh, saving and saving consistently? Yeah, that's a great question. So the, the idea behind automation is, is it makes, you, you take a step one time and it's done forever after that. So the idea is that you, you have your money direct deposited or if your employer doesn't offer that, you deposit all of your money into your checking account and then you can set up with your bank, you can go there and, and have them set up rules or you can do it online where as soon as that paycheck hits on the 15th and the 30th, that 10% of it just automatically gets transferred over to your savings account. There's other automation that you can do too, like automatic bill pay. You can have all of your bills paid out of that checking account. You can have your rent, your mortgage, everything like that. All can be taken care of out of that checking account. You can also have money automatically sent to a brokerage account. So if you're trying to build up some wealth in other areas, then you can have that money sent there as well. So you can really handle most things by just taking, maybe it's an hour or two the very first month that you're going to spend setting all of these things up so that they're, they're done and they're taken care of. But after that, you don't have to worry about it. For example, we recently refinanced our mortgage and one of the first things that I did was took some time to make sure that my payment was set up automatically so that it comes out on the first of each month. I don't have to send a check. I don't have to wonder if it's going to be paid. It's just going to be pulled from my checking account automatically. So that's the idea is that you're setting up these steps so that you don't have to worry about it again in the future. I know I'm never gonna have a late payment as long as, that, as long as they pull that out. So it's just, it's easy. I'm avoiding late payments and I don't have to think about it anymore. It's just already taken care of. Right, right. And what it does also, as you mentioned before, it reduces complexity and a complex, you know, personal finance uh, situation. So right. I, I would advise, and I personally do also take advantage of automation 
with uh, retirement contributions, savings, anywhere I can, bill pay. And I noticed that uh, what, it, what it allows is me to uh, send money where it's supposed to go. And once I have money in a, in a couple of checking accounts, but once I have money in a certain checking account, I know I can use this money and I don't have to worry about uh, bills being paid also because they're automatically paid. So, Absolutely. Um, so next, uh, just as far as savings, so different types of savings accounts, um, we hear often um, in a personal finance you know, situation, it's important to have a savings account, but the idea of an emergency fund. And so what is an emergency fund and why is it important? Yeah, an emergency fund is is just having money set aside for emergencies. So exactly what it says. So your car breaks down or maybe your AC goes out and it's 97 degrees outside. These are things that have to be taken care of. And so that there are emergencies that come up that we know everybody is going to have emergencies. There's nothing that we can do to avoid them entirely. And so the idea is that, that we set aside some money so that when those things come up, it doesn't break our, our budget. So that if our car breaks down, we've got some money set aside from our emergency fund that we could then pay for that car repair instead of saying, well, I'm not going to pay rent this month because I've got to pay for my car. No, that, that's not a good idea. So you want to make sure that you've got this money set aside. So you can set that aside in a number of different ways. You can start out with just your, your regular savings account, but I think it's a good idea to, to set up another account. It could be an online savings account that pays a little bit higher interest. It could be just another savings account at your bank. Just another account where you can say, label it, this is my emergency fund and I will only use it for emergencies. And, and one note with that is that if you use some money from that account, let's say that you build up $5,000 in that account and you use $1,000 to fix your car, your number one financial goal at that point should be to replace that $1,000. I see this happen all the time where people will build up an emergency fund, they spend it down over time on, on emergencies, and then suddenly they're out of their emergency fund. So again, every other financial goal goes on hold until you have got that $1,000 built back up in that savings account. Right, and that's important. And then it's also important to remember that emergency funds are for emergencies. <laughs> so yeah. uh, a trip with friends to Cancun, it might seem like an emergency, <laughs> but you know, exactly. <laughs> probably wouldn't fall into the emergency category, which which is important also to, you know, um, label label your money, label your accounts, and so make sure uh, you've identified what emergencies are, and they're kind of like one of those things, you'll know it when it happens, but um, a sale at your favorite store might not be an emergency, a trip with friends might not be an emergency, but like you said, car breaking down, medical issue, uh, loss of employment income, emergencies so exactly yeah and so when looking for a place to set up this emergency fund or open a bank account um, there's a bank and a credit union so what are some of the differences between the two yeah both are, are going to be based in your community typically you're going to have both banks and credit unions but banks the way that they differ is that banks are owned by stockholders and the credit union is is owned by the members who belong there. So that, that's the main difference there. So typically with a credit union, they tend to be smaller and they tend to be just for your local community or, or for a particular employer, for example. Some are, are bigger regional ones and, and we find those all over as well. But typically what happens with a credit union is that the money that they're not paying out to stockholders is going back to their member in terms of savings. And so you might get you might save extra on your car loan, for example. They might be able to get you a slightly lower rate, or they might pay a, a slightly higher amount on your savings account than a, than a bank. But the most important thing when, when you're looking at those two options, both a bank and a credit union, 
Make sure that they're convenient. Is there an ATM at the place where you work? Can you make deposits that way? Is it easy to utilize their online banking system? So there's really not a lot of differences between the two except how they're owned. So make sure that it's convenient for you. Right. Okay. And then as far as interest rates, so what are some of the features that uh, outside of what you mentioned that, you know, young adults should consider when opening their first account? Like is interest important? And then along those lines, um, I guess the next question would be about compound interest and how does that work, but. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things that I would look for when it comes to your checking on your savings account is make sure you're not paying any fees. There's so many banks out there and so many credit unions that have free checking. They've got free savings accounts. So make sure that you're not paying a fee. I would say that that is, is the number one feature because even if you're earning interest, but you're paying $4.95 a month to have your checking account in place, you're not going to make any money. So. The, the interest on these accounts that we're talking about, your checking and your savings account, is not really the critical issue. I, I have my online, I, I mentioned emergency funds and having an online savings account. I have one of those for my emergency fund because it does pay slightly higher interest, and so that is something to look for. But the goal for these accounts is not to earn a lot of interest. That's when, when we're looking at retirement and other things, then certainly making more interest is, is a great goal. But in looking at compound interest, compound interest is a great way that, a great thing that happens to our money. So let's just do a quick example. If I deposit $100 in, let's just say a, an account that's earning 5% interest per year, I put that $100 in there. At the end of the year, I'm going to have 105, right? Because I've earned $5 of interest over the course of that year. What happens with compound interest is now that, that instead of earning money on $100, I'm now earning interest on $105. So at the end of the second year, I don't earn $5, I've earned $5.25. So that compounds over time where we're building up interest, we're, we're making money on both the, the principal that we put in and the interest that we've paid out. So that by the end of 10 years, you've actually got $162 in that account. So that, that $62 is interest that has been earned on top of other interest. And it, the longer that money sits in there, the, the higher that balance grows. Right, and yeah, that, and that's a very important point. And we also try to stress that when you have debt, like, and it could be debt on a, any type of loan, student loan, uh, car loan, that the compound interest equation sort of works in the opposite direction. Yeah. So you have this principal debt, and depending on the rate that you're actually paying it off, that debt is increasing because uh, the interest you missed, you mentioned like the $5 that you owe at the end of one year is now five plus dollars at the end of the next year. And so if you're not paying those items, like paying a student loan, then it's constantly growing. And so you wanna be on the other side of the equation where you're uh, saving and investing money and that that money is actually growing for you instead of. So what are some important money lessons you think young people should apply today? So if your goal is to retire early, you do that by budgeting and controlling your expenses. If you want to buy a cabin in the woods or a, a condo on the beach, you can do all of those things by budgeting and controlling your expenses. So I would say that that's the key, is, is focusing on those things. How do I budget my money and how do I control my expenses so that I'm really focused on my financial goals and achieving those financial goals? If you're looking towards a, a, a goal that you're working towards, let's just say that it is to buy a cabin in the woods. Maybe that, that's one of your financial goals. You may, if you're shopping at the store and you're trying to decide if you wanna buy this gadget or not, you may say, 
do I want this or do I want to put this $20 towards my, my goal? And so by, by having something that you're really focused in, on and then putting that money and seeing it build up in your budget, then you're going to be able to achieve your goals a lot faster. So that, that's the number one key that I would give is to just really focus on that, on budgeting and controlling those expenses. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And and lifestyle creep, which is, you know, inflation as you sort of, uh, as your income increases and maybe mm -hmm. you get that big job after school or you enter into a career field and you're being paid more than you were in high school or mm -hmm. early eight stages in life and you begin to spend more. And then your as your income goes up, you're constantly spending more. And so uh, it, it's difficult in those circumstances to sort of build wealth at the same time. But, you know, just making sure that we, we're aware of some of those things and aware how, um, we're not saying like don't have nice things because I think a yeah. lot of times, especially with personal finance, people can confuse or some of the information comes across as saying like you have to budget every dollar. You can't have nice things. Right. You can't buy a cup of coffee. And it's not that it's like you can have nice things, but just planning it out so those nice things don't have you. Exactly. Yeah. And I, I think that's so important to, to mention that that. Part of having money and part of having a job is to be able to go and do fun things. So if there's a, a concert coming to town that you really want to go to, you've got some friends that you want to get together with that for that, absolutely utilize your money for some fun things. Some it's not all about the future and it's not all about those those distant goals. It's it's enjoying life right now while being focused on those at the same time. Today we received some great advice from Ryan on managing money as a young adult. Uh, to recap for our listeners, we would like you to walk away with the following takeaways. First, open a checking and savings account, some features to consider, ATM deposits, branch availability, fees, 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 and online accessibility. Also think about a bank or an institution like a credit union that you wanna have a long-term relationship with and you can see yourself working with for a number of years. Understanding the different types of budgets and why it's important to budget. Click in the show notes for CFTB's budget resources and additional tools that we mentioned today. Understand how saving and building an emergency fund can help protect you from unforeseen circumstances. Before we go, Ryan, would you like to tell our listeners how they can connect with you? Absolutely. I maintain a blog and, and do some other writing at ryanhlaw.com. Again, that's ryanhlaw, R-Y-A-N-H-L-A-W.com. Excellent. Thank you again for joining us today, Ryan, and sharing your expertise with our audience. We also appreciate our listeners for tuning in. To stay connected, please visit our podcast page on consumerfinance.gov. And so you don't miss future episodes, sign up to be notified of new releases. As always, remember to continue to develop your financial intuition and learn money management lessons you can use now to build a future you want tomorrow. Until next time.